when I was a kid, you know, we were provided for, but but if we wanted something, you know, we typically go earn the money and get it yourself. I live by the African proverb, you know, the if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Um, I've always stayed in my lane and I brought in other people in other lanes so we can really maximize that opportunity. As you're doing something unique, you see an opportunity and you've got to package that up and share those best practices and those then the thought leadership. Differentiate yourself and set yourself apart. Raise your right hand, you know, effective immediately, you're a thought leader. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Thought Leader Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting repeat guest on the show today. Today's guest is one of the founders of Constant Contact. He has been part of several exits. He's a leading thought leader when it comes to taking something from the stage of idea to execution to scale to exit. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the one. The only, the legendary Alex Stern. Welcome to the show, Alec. Uh, thank you, Nikki. Appreciate that. Love your energy, man. God bless your heart, brother. Well, man, it's good to have you back. Good to see your, uh, your face, brother. So, Alec, I'm going to remind you of the people that are the audience of the show. These are entrepreneurs, man. There are people. These are the men and women who have the guts, the courage to put themselves and their dreams out there. They make our world a better place. They drive all progress forward. It's because of their belief in entrepreneurship that they help create the constituency for free enterprise, which helps expand the constituency for free expression and for freedom. And we're all about that here. And they don't come here because of me. I'm here every week. They come here because of you. They want to learn from you before they can really learn from you. A lot of them know you because they've been listening to this show for a while, but we got new people here too. Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Alex Stern? Uh, uh, you're too kind. Uh, still working on on greatness. <laughs> Work on it every day. Um, yeah, but when I was a kid, you know, I uh, you know, we were provided for. But but if we wanted some, if we wanted something, you know, we typically you know go out, go earn the money and get it yourself. Um, you know, I always get asked, you know, were you born with a silver spoon in your mouth? And I was actually. This is my spoon. Nice. Uh, but the only difference is my mom bought it at a flea market. Um, and so, so, you know, we, um, I just got the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit early. And then of course my mom became an entrepreneur. She, she started her own business when I was in junior high and into high school. Um, so I saw what it took some of the grind and the good day, bad day or good moment, bad moment. Um, and then I, when I got out of college, I went to big business, had great success. And then someone way at the top, uh, many, many layers above me saw something in me and said, Hey, I'm going to this startup. I want to take you with me. And I said, well, what does that mean? And, and I had a bunch of business. So on one hand, I had $4 million worth of business that I could close. And on the other hand, I was going to go to the startup. And he said, well, I can't promise you if we're going to be around in six months or we can pay you in six months. But if this, if this hits, you know, it's going to be successful for everyone. Um, so I hesitated, closed a little bit of the business, you know, get a little bit more under belt. And then I called him up and said, I want to come over. 
So I joined a company in five years to the day we went public. And then we went on and the company sold as well, uh, which was my first taste into entrepreneurship and you know, being on the founding, yeah, the founding team, if you will. I think I was um, the 10th person in, uh, but really the second person kind of on the go-to-market side, besides the guy that brought me in. And so, wow. you know, I just, uh, I was there real early, saw that, uh, you know, I, I didn't really sort of understand exactly what it meant to get equity and, you know, options. And we went public and I'm like, this piece of paper's worth what? <laughs> didn't quite grasp the concept. I'm like, but I want to do that again. So I just kept going earlier and earlier into to you know um, jumping in on ideas and eventually coming up with my own and uh, I'm, I uh, I live by the African you know um, the proverb you know the if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with others so I I've never been a solopreneur and I applaud anyone who can do that um, I've always stayed in my lane and I brought in other people in other lanes so we can really maximize that opportunity and so. Um, so really just, you know, I've got, uh, this is just a short stack of, I used to use, usually use, uh, you know, uh, this, this is just a stack of ideas that I, uh, nice. you know, nice. constantly writing down uh, ideas, usually on a cocktail napkin. Uh, I had a big stack of those at this, uh, now I use uh, pieces of paper for convenience, but I just, um, I'm constantly, an, I'm an idea guy and, and either coming up with ideas or seeing other, other ideas of things that are out there and, and just have, um, have really had success. I mean, up until recently, I was, you know, eight companies, five exits, two IPOs, three acquisitions. Um, I'm now part of co-founder of six new companies um, uh, on the founding team or co-founder and, and just working to, you know, just bring some ideas forward, either mine or others, and uh, teaming up with with other folks to do so. So, you were part of some pretty big exits. You want to just share those with people? You're being a little modest, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, two IPOs. You know, it's it's uh, it's exciting to get a company to a point where you, you know, have an initial public offering. Um, you know, the one that most people know is Constant Contact. Um, we were a top 25 brand and in the business categories top, I think we were top three brand, you know, household brand that, that small businesses knew. Um, and um, you know, that one, that was three of us in an attic when we started, you know, we uh, were an overnight success in 18 years. <laughs> so we, uh, we had year 10, we went public and then year 18, we sold for 1.1 billion. Um, but that's not an I story. It's a we story. I'm, you know, 1500, uh, employees when we sold 750,000 paying customers. Uh, we had, you know, over 8,000 channel partners, you know, we had a great board, we had a great management team, we had a, you know, great, great employees. And, and it was really on the backs of everyone that we, that, that we were able to achieve that success. Um, and so that's the one everyone knows my name. Some of the others wouldn't necessarily be known uh, because they were, you know, more um, under the covers tools, you know, uh, Databases, tools, etc., uh, but but nonetheless uh, equally successful with an IPO and an acquisition and one other one and two other acquisitions, uh, and wow. so now um, you know uh, um, you know just got the bug and you know retired for probably six months I think and then decide uh -huh. I can't do that <laughs> and jump back in big time, so double down and now you know involved in six new companies so wow so. Yeah. You know what's interesting, man? Since you and I uh, last did this interview, um, 
I used to primarily professionally work with other coaches and consultants and thought leaders, right? That was my, my shtick. I met with folks who, you know, primarily were solopreneurs or small teams, you know, right? Yeah. And a little while ago, I was approached by the CEO of a small software company. And they said, hey, um, I hear you're like into thought leadership and you help people, you know, establish thought leader brands. She said, um, can I hire you? I'm like, sure. I was like, why? And she said, oh, um, I think I need to become a thought leader. I need to become the Steve Jobs or Elon Musk in my space. Instantly, I got it. I'm like, okay. I went and I did a deep dive and I realized that as powerful as thought leadership was for um, coaches and consultants and you know established commercial thought leader types, it was even more powerful for a founder. And the reason it was more powerful for a founder is because we're living in a time where people want to be associated with companies and brands that they feel are, for lack of a better word, not full of crap, right? Authentic, real. And they want to... Um, they want to have that organization mean something to them. If, if, you, if you take a look at a couple of examples, uh, well-known examples, uh, in 1998, there were two iconic American computer firms. One was called Dell, the other one was called Apple. At the time, Dell was a $12.7 billion company. Apple was a $5.9 billion company. And you would know both their CEOs because you know, you're, you're in the business. But 23 years later, Dell is a $102 billion a year company, great growth. Apple is a $400 billion a year company. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons is that um, Steve Jobs very deliberately decided to put himself out there as the face of not just Apple, but as the face of a certain kind of vision and mission. He created thought leadership for himself as an innovator, as somebody who was the champion of innovators, visionaries, and, and those types of entrepreneurial people. And Michael Dell, the CEO of Dell, didn't. He decided to be a traditional CEO in the background. You know, wouldn't know a whole lot about him if you weren't in the industry. And when Steve Jobs died 12 years ago, a million people lined up to go to his funeral that had never met him and, and, and didn't know him. And 12 years after his death, his ethos, his spirit, his animating spirit still moves people to want to do business with Apple. And I just, you know, you struck me, you were one of the people who was a founder and then you became a thought leader. And I'm just wondering if you could help us merge those two worlds together and talk about how that can help people with a great idea, have it come alive and scale it. I talk to startups all the time and it's like, you know, you're, 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 uh, you know, th these are my stats. 85% of the time it's um, someone comes out with a business that's um, uh, already, already in play. There's a lot of competitors, but it needs, they, they, Bless you. It's an industry that could be asleep at the wheel, or or they just haven't they haven't really innovated in years. Or you see a product or service and you say, "Wow, that could be done better." And so it's about execution and and delivery and and coming up with something that's unique. And so 
The other 15% is someone who, you know, brings something forward who it doesn't exist. So you're creating a new category and a new brand. So the first example is just another brand in an existing industry, but that will execute or deliver it better, have new features and, you know, kind of wake up an industry that's just always done it a certain way. And I, I think one of the key things in both examples is you're doing something unique and, and you're, you see an opportunity and you've got to package that up and share those best practices and those, then the thought leadership, you've got to differentiate yourself and set yourself apart. And so, so, you know, they're doing it because it's unique and you got to be able to, to share that story. And I always say to folks, put it, raise your right hand, you know, effective immediately. You're a thought leader. Like now you got to just package up that messaging and get out there and, and deliver it. Right. We all, we all are thought leaders in our own right. If we're, if we're out doing something unique, you know, um, bringing something to market as an entrepreneur, that's going to do, do something different than it are, that, 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 than what's already out there. And there's a lot of industries that I've gone into with starting companies to 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 find one of those multi-billion dollar industries to sleep at the wheel and and that you have the opportunity to come in and do something different and package it up and tell that story and show what's unique about what you're doing and so that's what that's what a lot of the press and the publications and the podcasts and everything a lot of people a lot of folks will gravitate to that thought leadership and the best practices they're going to want to hear that story they don't want to hear the momentum like we sold another 100 customers. You know, those things, they go numb to that stuff. But if you can say what's unique about what you're doing, and of course, then you go to the associations and other organizations supporting your target market, and they want thought leadership. They want to know what's going to help my membership with that, whatever's unique that you're providing. So there's a lot of power in being able to package up that story Get out of the stealth, I put in quote, stealth mode, you know, where you say keep, keep close to the vest. We're not asking for the secret ingredient of what's in that dish that made it so unique, but you can share a lot of things of the preparation and, and, and other ways that, you, that you've created what you're creating and that what makes it unique without maybe giving away the secret sauce. Um, and you've got to do that. You've got to do that early and as early as possible to differentiate. And it, don't get into a feature function war with somebody you know, like they have these features and we have those features, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose every time because they're, you're new and they've been around for a long time. And, you know, you, you but, but if you're doing something unique, you're going to get the ear, you know, of customers, partners, you know, all, all the, the, the press and others that will want to sort of follow that and understand that story. So thought leadership is very important at, uh, out of the gate. You know, I've never quite heard it be put the way you just put it. And I, I really like it. Why I like it is because a lot of people look at thought leadership, right? And, and they go, what are you talking about? I'm a founder of a company. I'm not some egghead in an ivory tower. I'm doing something real, man. And yeah. that's and unique. And unique. <laughs> yeah. But right. that's, I think, a fundamental misunderstanding of what thought leadership is. Thought leadership is being unique and it's looking at problems that people have, and it's coming up with solutions that are relevant to solving those problems. And to me, that's something that so many people absolutely don't get. They think, and this, this new thing that they're trying to pitch to founders is, oh yeah, thought leadership. That means go get a great Instagram account and a great TikTok account and a great LinkedIn account and become the equivalent of one of these influencers that's showing off their abs 
you, you know, and telling you to eat better. I mean, no offense. That's like motherhood and apple pie. If you're going to have thought leadership and you're going to go and be public about it, there's got to be some depth to what you share. And it can't be something that's banal uh, or a cliche. It's got to be something that's real and new. And as you put it, unique, right? Right. And especially for the customer, like the, the customer, this is this, you know, a lot of these industries, you know, it's like, this is the way we've always done it. We're going to continue doing it this way. And then, and now you're going to come along, you're going to be doing something different. You know, you're, you're now going to that target market and those customers and saying, look, you know, there's a better way and, and you can get more out of it. And here, here's the benefits of doing it this way. And you, you've moved off of the playing field of all those competitors into your own field. And now you're showing them this unique, unique way for how they can succeed in, in using your product or service, you know, and that, that has a lot of power out of the gate. So there's a few industries that I find fascinating and interesting, and I'd love to kind of bat this around with you. One is the whole world of coaching and consulting has exploded in the last 15 years, right? I mean, Tony Robbins was kind of the, the one who popularized professional coaching for entrepreneurs and business people. And right now we're talking the rate of growth in the industry is around 40% a year. And yet there's not a whole lot that's new and unique about coaching lately. And I'm just wanting to bat this around with you. If someone were wanting to get into that industry and want to disrupt it a little bit, what are some of the things they ought to look at? Yeah. So I, I, the first thing I'd want to just touch on is that, you know, um, up to three years ago, you know, you, everyone got vetted, you know, to to go on those stages, you know, the top top, you know, I, I, I spoke at the top five events must attend events in the country, you know, by Inc and entrepreneur and whatever, you know, you get vetted, you're you go on those stages. And, you know, and there was it was a, a sort of a validation that the, you know the, that this person is real and and they've they've accomplished some things and they've got a message to deliver and and that you know you, you start getting out there and then you 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 get asked to do those other conferences and so on and then of course you know COVID and other things hit and we we move virtual you know we took away any requirement so everyone can be a thought leader you know everyone can go out and deliver a, you know I'm a coach you know and then start delivering content and so forth and you know and I think I've always just say to people when they say hey you know they'll tell me a you know, I, I met this coach online and, you know, I think I want to hire them. And I always just tell everyone, just vet it, vet them and vet the, vet what they're saying and, and go check references and see do people truly get value from what they're saying. And is there more, you know, you know, more behind the curtain, you know, it's easy to get up there and say the right things and hook someone in and sign a sign an agreement for them to work with you. And, but then in reality, are they truly, you know, that, you know, get you into a mastermind and, you know, uh, you know, vet, vet, vet the people that are in there. Are you going to be the smartest one in the room or, you know, are, are there going to be others that you're going to be able to learn from? And, and then of course, then that the person who's running that. And, and so I was just said, you know, it's just really important to vet whoever you're going to select. There's amazing coaches out there that, that are very successful. And like yourself, that, that, you know, people, people get a lot out of and, and they're advancing in whatever it is that, that they're, they're needing help with. And, um, so yeah, it's the the industry is growing wildly, but I mean, um, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of folks just didn't have to go through the sort of that that process that we all had to go through up until three years ago to to get up on all all those stages and and podcasts and masterminds and others where we're we're asked to speak. And then you know, of course, then what you know, 
uh, what what have they personally done, you know, to to validate some of their, you know, ability to get up there and and tout tout uh, tout some of that messaging. A lot of a lot of you know, it's like anything else. You know, a lot of the you know, you can go back in time and you know everything starts. You know, everyone says it starts with Napoleon Hill and they can grow rich and some of that and it spawned into other people coaching and then other people coaching from their coaching. And so there's a lot of this is, you know, the origin of a lot of this starts somewhere. Um, and a lot of people have put their own spin on it and add some other value to it, which is great. That's the personal touch or that, you know, they, they that unique in this service of this offering, there's something unique they're providing on top of maybe something else that was a foundation that they had learned from someone else. And, you know, that's fine. You know, uh, we, you know, everyone, has their sort of their spin to, you know, what they can offer. Um, so, you know, I think first and foremost, it, you know, from, for me, uh, it's really the vetting and making sure that there's, you know, that that's, there's true validity and um, what they're saying and backing that up with what they've done. Yeah. Well, you know, that's very powerful and very true. And I don't even like using the word coach to describe what I do. I mean, if someone asks me what I do, what I tell them is I help entrepreneurs uh, make their dreams come true. And the way that I do it is through my books, my podcasts, my coaching programs, my workshops, and my mastermind. That's what I tell them. Uh, and if they say, what is that like coaching? I go, kind of. Uh, you know, but I don't like the term coach because everybody no. has brothers a coach these days, right? No. Uh, so I totally agree with you when you say that. And I see that the industry of providing the service of coaching to folks is growing. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, well, if I want to disrupt the industry, what would I need to do in order to like be able to take coaching from a mostly one-on-one -on -one or one-to-many, basically a solopreneur type individual to a more scalable business experience? And that's what I was thinking. Maybe you and I could try to bat around what, what are some of the things that could be done inside of this space that would make it more valuable to the end user well but in terms of in terms of someone taking what they're doing and scaling it yeah in terms of like let's say you and i decided to say okay alec nikki and alec you know what we're gonna we're gonna take on the coaching industry we're gonna disrupt this and we're, we're gonna we're gonna make the first billion dollar coaching company that's that's what we're all about right now we're gonna make the first billion dollar coaching company but we want to disrupt this. We want to add value in a way that's going to make all the other coaches go, oh my God, what are these guys doing? This is crazy. So what would we, how would we need to think that through? Yeah. You know, and so, so, um, you know, scaling, scaling anything, there's a lot, there's a lot of common ground for whatever, whether it's a product or service, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's for profit, like B2B, B2C, you know, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's some commonality and it's, and it's fairly repeatable. I think one of the things we, we, um, when I, I'll ask entrepreneurs, I, you know, several conversations today, like, you know, great idea, you know, looks like you've thought it through. They always ask me, what, what do you think of my idea? It doesn't matter what I think, what's your target market think? Give me the feedback from the, the exact person that you're offering this to. Like I, yeah. So, so my opinion doesn't matter if I'm not your target market. So tell me about what they say. Right. So, that's one of the first things in just validating kind of the idea and, and understanding that you're onto something because you're going to get a lot of no's and people are going to say, there's no way you guys can build this billion dollar business. You know, you two, how is that possible? Well, you know, talking to the people that, you know, we're serving and they're saying this is amazing. And 
I 10 X my business from, from, you know, being, being in and amongst, you know, you, you know, us plus the team behind us and, uh, and the group in the masterminds. And, you know, we, you know, we learn just as much from each other as we do that them from uh, them learning from us, they're going to learn just as much from their peers. And so there's, there's a lot to be said for sort of the, the company you keep there and, and what you can, can learn, learn there. I think the other, the other thing in terms of scale that most people, when I ask them, what's your scale strategy? The answer is not, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to answer that. Well, you know, to get to a billion dollars, we're going to need, you know, uh, 5,000, 5,000 people to go through our program or whatever, 10,000 people to go through our program at X dollars, you know, that, you know, that's one approach, of course, you know, that's, that's the means to the end. But the key thing is how are you going to get to those 10,000 people? And no one can answer that. And they had the bottom line answer, you know, this is the secret sauce and all of this is, is channels and partnerships and, you know, whether you're, you're a compliment to someone else and, and, and referrals and, you know, or your 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 what you have is so valuable. It's it's put into it into the tool bag for someone else who's going out and selling someone. And when they make a sale to to land a client, you're part of it because you're going to offer what you're offering. And I think most people lose sight of the fact that channels, partnerships, strategic alliances, all of that combined is the is the is the scale strategy for most businesses. And so, you know, uh, it's a full full you know, two day topic minimum to kind of did drill in on all of that. But the, the, the bottom line is you can, you can say, okay, um, I challenge everyone on the call that there's 15 categories minimum of channel partners that you could, you could get on a whiteboard, start writing down who, where's our target market hanging out? Who could we be partnering with to work, work, work to get to the, you know, to help with the scale strategy, get, get us to the target market. Who are trusted resources that they rely on that could be referring us? You know, there's a lot of ways to solve it. What's the reach and the influence of these other partners that can get can get uh, folk, you know, folks in the door? Uh, someone might not have great reach, but they have huge influence. If they say that you should use this pro, this uh, the Nikki and Alec program, you know, and they say that it, it holds a ton of weight because they trust them and they say sure, or they'll say we'll just we'll just sign you up for it and it's going to cost you X, like. There, 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 all of those sort of people fall into categories. The one category everyone on this call shares, no matter what your business is, is association and member orgs, right? So there's, there's local, regional, national, international. Um, you know, they're either thought leadership and education based or they're networking and, and um, you know, uh, like minds together uh, to, you know, to raise the water level collectively or it's, or it's a combination of both. But you, you could think of, you know, in your space, who, where, where's your target market hanging out to get, get learnings or to, to network with, you know, others like them, which is your target market. And if you have thought leadership and best practices, those associations will eat up your content, like get you on a podcast, put you in the newsletter, get you on the website, get you speaking on stage. If I had a dollar for every time I heard, um, you know, we don't allow vendors to speak. You know, if you, unless you're a sponsor, we'll give you two minutes on stage at lunch. I've spoken at, you know, countless huge associations, um, you know, uh, their conferences as a keynote and I'm a vendor, but it's like, you know, I was never, I was never looked at as someone who's a vendor. I was, I was someone bringing thought leadership and best practices to their audience. They can learn from what we're doing. We can help that their audience grow and succeed. 
And those associations eat that up, just like the press eats it up, you know, and, uh, and all the other, you know, categories, you know, that wants to expose, you know, to your, to your, to your target market, that, that thought leadership and best practices. So that ties in nicely to this conversation, but one category association of member orgs under that are multiple answers. There's multiple organizations, different types, you know, so you can have subcategories under that one Uber category, which is one that everyone on this call shares. Yeah, that's brilliant. You know, Alec, I think, um, I think I'd like to have an offline conversation with you. I think I'd like to do a series of interviews with you to go into this subject of strategic alliances, partnerships, and break it down and really just categorize it. And, you know, I know you're doing six companies and all, but um, you should put together a two day on this, man. And I'd be happy to. I've got, I've got, I've got it. I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to help, uh, help you get the word out. I'd be happy to be a, you know, part of it in any way that I can, but this is people in the coaching industry. Here's the thing uh, that most people, and it's not just coaching, any type of solopreneur type related industry. They are not sophisticated business people. They are sophisticated at delivering what they are good at. They're delivered good coaches, good mortgage brokers, good, you know, whatever, right? They're not good. They're not business people who've learned, oh yeah, this is the kind of thing you ought to do. And what you said today, you know, there's a lesson that I teach in, in one of my uh, thought leader programs about the, the 10 uh, channels for um, generating new leads and revenue. And one of them is referrals. One of them is strategic partnerships. And yet what you just said right now is so true. Every organization that I've been a part of that's scaled found strategic partners, found referral partners. I used to work for an IT security firm called JAWS Technology back in 2000, 2001. I was the director of telco partnerships. And my job was to go to telecom companies that were already going into all these big companies that our company wanted to sell to and then be a value-added vendor to say, hey, guys, um, yeah, you got your telco and internet needs from these guys, but, you know, security is now a big deal. You guys want to handle that too so you know you you don't uh, fall into liability situation or have your business be destroyed by crazy black hat type hatters hackers excuse me and we were starting to get some real traction before you know the dot com bubble burst and the company ran out of money and all that jazz but i'll tell you something it's this is gold man this is gold um, and 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 so if somebody got got on a whiteboard, you know, referral partners is one. You know, uh, co marketing, co branding partners is another. Like, there's those categories, but more specifically, you know, um, you know the where they're hanging out, where they're hanging out. Um, you know, many many folks in your target market go to associations and member orgs to learn. You know, or they'll go there to to get to like minded folks. You know, same as them, same title, same everything. Um, same business, same focus. And so, so, you know, you, you get a room full of, full of folks to, you know, uh, to be able to access. And and so if you go and get on the whiteboard and you start naming uh, other categories, you know, what are some of complementary services, you know, as you, 
you referred, what are some complementary services someone's providing? In your case, it was the telcos were providing uh, all that, and you were bringing a complement in of the of security. It's another thing that's in the tool bag that they could be selling, or you come in as an afterthought to add security in to make you know to just really round out the offering. And you know, so complementary uh, products and services, you know, is another category. And you sit there and say, "Go, oh, who are who are all the key players?" And you know, if you get 20, if you name the top twenty players in an industry. You know, the 80-20 rule, they're going to make the majority of the business up, you know, and if you go and land the first one or two, two at the top, the rest fall behind and you're Switzerland and you've signed every partner, every partner in the category, you know, and, you know, and so there's a lot, lot to be said. Um, you know, when I, I, when I mentioned, uh, you know, with Constant Contact, when, you know, we sold the company, we had over, over 8,000 partners. That's a very conservative number. You know, no one would believe that number, let alone a bigger number. So, you know, and oftentimes we count a lot of partners in a category as just one because you know no one's going to believe you know that the staggering numbers of five working with you know five thousand plus chambers in the cha- in the chambers of commerce is one subcategory right so so when you think about um you know the ch- channels is the answer for scale and then the question is you know testing your way into which channel categories and then you know um don't don't cry wolf. You know you sign a partner and think you know the ones you think you're going to do a lot do nothing, and the ones you think will do nothing will do a lot. You just don't know, um, and it and it really comes down to just treating them all equally and and working through that. And um, but that that is the scale answer, and it has been for me and every company that uh, that we've launched that we had uh, su- uh, growth success with. It's been it's been channels, and just for the record, constant contact when we started were a hundred percent channels. We couldn't go door to door selling to small businesses on Main Street around the world. wasn't gonna wasn't scalable, you know. And the answer is not hire 100 salespeople, you know, at, uh, for a free trial. And first pay pay level was 15 dollars a month. You can't be ha- having a ton of salespeople running around trying to do that. So we had to get through get to our target market through those channel partners. Yep. Very interesting. You know, in the world of coaching, people uh, right now um sell a, a number of things one of the things they sell is uh paid traffic like cold traffic right get get ads get people onto uh into a funnel uh another thing they sell is they say hey use a book a book's been successful for me i've uh, used the book to get um potential clients uh into my funnel like i've got a very short book uh this is it it's the second edition of finish line thinking I put this in the hands of 5,000 people, generated over seven figures in coaching business for me. It's been very successful. I think about this, this could be, I could put this in the hands of a bunch of channels and say, hey man, give this to some of your clients as, as a freebie, you know, like this is right. a book that'll really help them. So that that could be a cool thing. Another thing that people look at is podcasting. Podcasting's been good, good for me. It's a great way to build relationships with guests and it's a great way for uh, folks uh, like me to get, build an audience that might be interested in what we're doing. So being a guest on other people's show, like you're being a guest on my show, that's powerful in terms of helping to to open things up as well. But you do all of that and you tie it into some good channels. Like I, I'm thinking right now, my brain's going, I say, okay, we're going to be doing all the things that we're, we're doing, but what can we do to actually build a, a no BS real channel partnership strategy that we can have a hundred, a thousand Folks that'll, 
be interested in bringing people to our door because there's something in it for them and it, it's going to add value to the people that they're interested in as well so right but that that's the key that last statement is the key statement value the value add right like they're the you know, signing partnerships for the sake of signing partnerships doesn't do anything for anyone but if there's true value add you know or or there's something that you're doing and complementing what they're doing or or um you know, uh, it's another thing in their tool bag they can offer to their target market, which is yours. You know, that's very powerful. Yes, yeah, it could increase their stickiness with their clients, right? Because this could be something they could be interested in. But obviously, if, you know, they bring a client our way and we're signing a five dollars or $10,000 deal and we give them 10%, I'm sure they're happy with that too, right? That's nice to get that kind of money in their pocket. Yeah. And so when you think about it, they're working with someone and they have their core offering. And so they'll always go back to their core. Like if we got to sell more of the core or you know numbers are down this quarter, we got to sell more core or we got to go get more people to buy our core. Like they're always going to be thinking of that first. But but at some point, you know, the consultative salesperson that's in that company, you, know, you, you go you go to the top of any organization's business development and sales team. They're very consultative. And they're they're going to go and and be on the same side of the table, sitting with the client, working with them, as opposed to cross selling. They're going to work with them to make sure you know that they're they're providing solutions and and that the offering that's going to really help that client excel. And so they're you know they're a trusted you know resource to them for that. And then in, and in turn can be be recommending other things. Have got another thing that I think would be really interesting for you, you know, to to jump in and take advantage of. And um, and so. So they'll they'll do that, uh, but they have to believe in it. And they have to see the value in it, and then, of course, they'll get rewarded for doing so. Um, and so, once you get you know get the rainmakers in the in the in the partners sales team use it, you know uh, promoting it, having success selling it, you know the rest the rest follow. Um, you know, so it's like who's the who are the top guns that we can talk to to you know, you know, see how, what's the best way to get this mix into the mix and how do we talk about it? What do we say? What do we offer? You know, what's in it for them? What's the win-win-win for you, the partner, that salesperson and the customer, um, yeah. you know, and just, Amen. you know, figure that you figure all that out and, and you know, it's gold. Uh, it's this, is, gold. this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. And it, obviously it, it, it works for companies that are looking to scale. Only use channel partnerships if, if you don't mind scaling. If you don't want to scale, don't use them, right? <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah, and there, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And I think one of the key things people think, you know, sign an agreement or, you know, hey, we just signed a partnership. You put the, the agreement in the drawer and just wait for stuff to happen. The job, you know, the work begins when you sign that agreement to really manage that partner and manage, you know, that success and make sure they have all the tools and resources they need to be successful at selling it. And promoting it and then supporting, you know, it to a certain level because they'll, they'll get calls on it and then pass those back over to you. And so there are a lot of things that need to be thought through to make sure that it's done. It's done properly, but most people don't manage the channel. They just assume we'll sign the agreement and kind of walk away and let's see what happens. And then when nothing happens, you sort of like, you know, do a check-in, you know, and, and nothing's happening. It's like, well, either, you know, it's probably your fault for not arming them with the right tools and resources and staying in touch and doing a ride along with a couple of the top salespeople to learn, hear, have them pitch it and hear what the client's saying. Um, you know, what's the true relationship that that partner has with the client? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. So would they actually even listen to the client, listen to the partner offering something else? 
when they may not have the best success, you know, with some of the stuff that they're using from them. Like there are a lot of the dynamics that you have to sort of get in and understand to make sure it's to make sure you make it successful. Amen, brother. Amen. This is this is fantastic. I've really enjoyed this. Let's definitely come back and do yeah. uh, a couple more episodes in the future, breaking down this whole channel partnership thing. And let's let's look at different categories, different ways to do this, because I think, as you said, this is a topic that is worth exploring more deeply. So, Alec, if folks are interested in finding out more about you, your work, the companies you're a part of, what's the best way? Yeah, so uh, my uh, website is Alec, A-L-E-C, speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S dot com, alecspeaks.com. Uh, that's probably the best place to just uh, go see kind of a quick flyover and a little bit more on me. Uh, it's like the cobbler's kids don't have shoes, so it needs a little work, uh, which I'm working on. And <laughs> bringing it up to date a bit, but that's the best best place um, to uh, to go see. And then they can also in- engage um, and you know, connect with me through there as well. All my social channel links are there. It's easier, easy to start there and find other things. Well, I tell you, I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to speak with you offline and connect you with a couple other podcasters that I think you would enjoy speaking to. And um, this is a conversation I found fascinating. I'd really like to explore it with you. Uh, Yeah, we we can talk for sure. I I mean, this is something that I spent a lot of time consulting on and working with clients to uh, figure out, um, figure out their scale strategy. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, So, Alec, we end off each episode by asking you as our guest expert for what we call your top three expert action steps. These are like bullet points of your three best pieces of advice. So what say you? Uh, Well, so since we're talking entrepreneurs and starting businesses, um, you know, one I alluded to earlier is uh, what is, you know, go out and seek what your target market you know, uh, uh, thinks or feels about what you're what you're offering. Uh, don't go to family and friends; they're going to tell you they love you. Don't go to the people you've done business with; they're going to tell they tell you they love you. Go to complete strangers for brutal, honest feedback. Um, so get get out to the target market, talk to those folks that you don't know. And the other key thing is um, you want to be focused in on engaging with them to talk, and you listen. Uh, you and so you want to you want to listen intently as they're talking, ask them some, ask them some key questions. You know, what, uh, what's your vision for the business in three years? And are you doing something today that's going to get you there in three years? And oftentimes they're not. So you either have to change what you're doing or change your vision. Um, and then when you're listening, you know, ask questions. If they can answer two key questions, do you see value? You know, well, after, first of all, you're, you're, you're listening. And if you take the word listen and you move the letters around, it spells silent. So you want to be silent, intently listening to what they're saying and hear the cues. So when you, it's your turn to talk, you can zone in on the things that they brought up of what, what their hot buttons are and what they're interested in, which the, what they wish they had more of, um, you know, um, and what they don't have that they wish they had. All, the, all of the things you, when you're asking them questions to just t- tell you more and you're listening, then you can then spin back something of value and they have to be able to answer two questions. Um, one is, you know, do you see value in this and something you see yourself using? Of course, this is amazing. And two, do you, was it something you'd be willing to pay for? And their answer should be, this is priceless. Of course I would. So, so if you've listened properly and then you responded accordingly and not just spray and pray and talk and tell them, uh, tell them whatever you want to tell them and hope they heard something they were interested in, you're going to be more targeted with your messaging. Yeah. That's that's three and a half, three and a half. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So 
I'm taking notes, man. I think this is gold. Alec, right. thanks for coming back on the show, man. It was great to have you here. Let's have you back right. on again and dive into this more deeply. Listener, Alex Stern, the real deal. This man has done it. He's done IPOs. He's been part of major exits, and he's doing six more companies right now. And he's a thought leader who's going out and teaching his wisdom out to the world because he cares about seeing what he's learned go to the next generation of people and help extend the free enterprise system and help more people be successful. So take advantage of this. Go to alexspeaks.com. And if you like this, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review, and make sure that you share this with you know a fellow entrepreneur who could benefit from this message that's the best thing you could do you know to to help us and as i say i provide this show for free there's no advertisers there's no sponsors the only payment i ask is that if you got value share it with someone else that's all the payment i want that's all the payment i've ever asked for and that's that alex stern an honor to have you here with me my friend honor to be here nikki thank you you bet bolu out and that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast the thought leader revolution to find out more about the legendary alex stern go to alexspeaks.com or to the show notes at the thoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode be it itunes stitcher spotify google play audible or what have you until next time goodbye